Uh, welcome to Missions Minute. Who is William Carey? William Carey is considered the modern, father of modern missions. He was a shoemaker in England. He was born in the 1760s. He had a, a real gift for languages. He learned four languages before he turned 21 years old. He got to reading the voyages of Captain Cook, the journals that Captain Cook would write when he got back from his voyages. After he became a Christian, William Carey really had a heart for missions. And from those voyages of Captain Cook, he took scrap pieces of leather from his shop and he made a globe. And he started marking places where people had never heard the gospel. And then God convicted him to go. And he went to India in the 1790s, where he stayed for over four decades. He translated the Bible into Hindi and many other languages while he was there. He started a college, which is still going on today. He was a shoemaker from England. William Carey had a quote. He said, I'll go into the pit if you'll hold the rope. What does the pit represent? The Bible calls it the remote places of the earth. William Carey, it was India. Vicky and I, it was Papua New Guinea. Very remote places, hard to get to, where people need to hear or deserve an opportunity to hear the gospel, to hear of God's love and his grace and his mercy. He said, I'll go into the pit if you'll hold the rope. It represents the remote places. The rope represents the enablement to go and do that. It takes both. Remember now there's 3.3 billion people still on the face of earth today who don't have the opportunity to hear the gospel in their own language, their own cultural understanding. What must we do? What must we do? The next question is, who is Hudson Taylor? Who is Hudson Taylor? Please look him up over the, this week. This concludes our missions minute. That's all right right there, ain't it? That's all right. Just some quick uh, announcements that are very important that I want to highlight. Again, um, the bulletin, please, please, please keep these. Please don't leave these. These have a lot of information in them over the last few weeks as the calendar has filled up. And so we want to keep you in the loop and keep you informed over what's going on. Starting tonight, including tonight, next Sunday night, and the following, is going to be a marriage workshop that is going to be hosted here starting tonight at 5 p.m., so please, 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 if you can, either sign the sheet in the foyer or you can go on the church app and you can look up our church and you can register there. There's all kind of things to do on that church center app, those of you with smartphones, and it will allow you to look there. Also, homecoming is coming up on October the 17th at right here in the sanctuary. That Sunday morning, we're going to have the Neelands with us. And so please, please, please make sure to announce that. Tonight as well, the youth are going to have a putt-putt outing. The cost for that is $12. So if you would, or that's right after church, isn't it? Yeah, sorry, not tonight, right after church. 
So right after church, lunch is going to be provided for them. So if you like me and your child has been trifling this week, I will gladly pay $12 for them to go play putt-putt and get out of what little hair I don't got. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So that is right after uh, tonight. Also on October the 1st through the 4th, we're going to be going back to Louisiana again and sending supplies to them. And so if you would like to make a donation to that, if you would like to uh, collect supplies again to take back to them, uh, please let us know. You can be a drop-off point at your place of business or you can uh, donate through your business to the church. It can be done through Church Center app. It can be done uh, check by mail. It can be done by the tithe box that is right back there. But that is coming up again October the 1st through the 4th. Amen? Whew, that's a lot of announcements, isn't it? Those are things I just wanted to highlight, but there's a lot more in that bulletin. I promise you we're not looking for stuff to fill space anymore. Amen. Our church calendar is filled. Can we stand all over the house as we get ready to go before the Lord in prayer? There are several needs that are already uh, been coming in, several families that have asked that we not mention them but are dealing with COVID stuff. And so let's pray for them that God would, would just touch them. The Lord knows who they are and um, He knows that they can be touched. Amen. Let's also continue to remember uh, Sister Crystal in prayer, Winstead, that God would touch her this morning. She was having some sickness going on, so let's just pray for her. Let's also continue to pray for uh, all of the needs that are constantly coming in across the board. Uh, Brother Joe Singleton's mom, we need to pray for her. She's in the hospital now. She has been admitted, so let's pray for her that God would, would touch there as well. If you've got a need, would you just raise your hand right where you are today? Amen. 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 Sister Mary Wyckoff, let's continue to remember her in prayer as well. Amen. I think God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ever ask or even think. Don't you? I truly believe that. I believe that God's able to heal this morning. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what situation you're in. But I know a miracle worker. I know he's able to do it. And I'm believing today that God is going to do it. Aren't you? Amen. Let's go before the Lord together in prayer right now. Father, we love you today. We bless you, Jesus, for all that you are doing, God, in our midst right now. Lord, we thank you that you are still the healer. We thank you, Jesus, that you are still able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ever ask or even think. And Father, we pray right now that in the name of Jesus, that you would begin to move all over this place. God, you know every situation. Lord, you know every care in this room. And God, we know that you are able to heal, to move, to bless, to touch financially. God, to bring supernatural miracles, to bring supernatural healing. And Lord, we are believing you today to do it. Father, we pray right now that in the name of Jesus, that you would touch Brother Joe's mother this morning, and God, you would minister to her body. Lord, we pray for Sister Crystal today, that God, you would touch her and bring healing to her. God, you know everyone in this room that has concern, and everyone in this room, God, that has things that they are worried about. 
But Lord, I thank you today that your word plainly states that we can cast all our cares upon you. And Lord, when we cast our cares upon you, God, we know that you can handle them. We know that you can work it out, Father. We know that you can do it and you can work miracles today. And Lord, we are believing you, God, to supernaturally do what only you can do in this room this morning. Lord, we love you and we praise you for it. Jesus, thank you for what you're going to do in this place. In your mighty and holy and precious name, we ask and we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Can we lift up the name of Jesus right now? Can we bless the name of the Lord that he is moving even now? Can we just do it? Why don't you just praise God on credit right now? You say, it's not even done, but Lord, I'm going to bless you before it ever shows up today. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you that you've heard and answered. We thank you for the answer today, oh Jesus. Lord, we bless you today. We honor you, Jesus, for all that you're doing this morning. We give you all the glory today, God. Bless your name today, Jesus. Bless your name. Set me free He said 
Yes, 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 yes. Don't you feel that way this morning, that he is the great I am today? Can you lift up the name of the Lord in this place right now? Can you just honor him in this house right now? He is the great I am. He is the great I am today. You are the great I am. Jesus, we bless you today, Jesus. We lift your name up, Jesus. We lift your name up, Jesus. You're the great I am. You're the great I am. 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 I think it's interesting that we sing this song, especially considering where I'm about to take you. Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 14. I'm going to start a new series with you today, and I can't tell you how long it's going to last because I'm just going to preach it till I'm done with it. So this is one of them series that I'm going to shake that bush as much as I can and then yank it up out the ground and tear it up. Amen? It's one of them series. I'm going to start a new series with you that I am simply titling Fault Line. I'm simply titling it Fault Line. And I want to go to John 14 and verse 5, and it says this. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7, if you had known me, I like this. This is good Bible preaching right here. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Jesus says in another passage in John, I and my Father are one. He says this in verse 6. This is going to be our foundation verse for today. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Can we pray together now? Father, we love you today. God, thank you for your goodness that we feel in this room even now. God, thank you that you are showing yourself to us. You have revealed yourself, Lord, all this week. Lord, you gave us a great revival, and we're thankful for that. Lord, thank you that you have been with us, that you have showed us your presence and showed us where you want us to be. Now, Lord, as we live in a world that wants to shut you down and wants to counsel you out, God, I'm thankful that your word, that your truth will stand even when everything else is falling down around us. Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost today. 
And Lord, I thank you that you are even anointing our minds and our hearts even now. That God, that what you speak to us will take and hide in our heart that we won't sin against you. Now, Jesus, I pray that we'll get it settled exactly who you are today. That we'll stop with the pity pat praise and we'll stop, Lord, with the ideas that you might be somebody else. And Lord, we'll get it settled today that there is no other way, that there is no other truth, and there is no life outside of you, Christ. Thank you for what you're going to do in the next few moments. And Lord, we love you and we praise you for it today. In the mighty and the blessed name of Jesus we ask and we pray, and all God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. In our natural world, we know that our earth, that our globe, unless you're a flat earther, then you don't believe what I'm going to tell you. So if you're a flat earther, uh, just ignore what I'm about to tell you. But if you believe like the rest of us that the earth is round and it is a sphere, then you will enjoy what I'm about to tell you. If you're a flat earther, please excuse my scientific study today. Hallelujah. I know some people still believe that even though you can see the curvature of the earth, but go ahead. So anyway, anyway, our earth is covered by what we study in elementary school known as the earth's crust. The earth's crust is then made up of what we call tectonic plates. When these tectonic plates then begin to shift and collide, the rocks then begin to form crevices in the earth which forms what we call and what many scientists call, they call specifically fault lines. If you live near a fault line, then you will know that when those plates begin to shift and they begin to rub against one another, it creates what we measure and what we call an earthquake. And when those plates shift and an earthquake happens, they measure its seismic activity and they measure it on a Richter scale at how great the earthquake is. And typically what will happen is it, when it shifts the correct way and causes a huge seismic shift, then if the building didn't have a great foundation and the building didn't have what it needed when it was built and was not built per code next to the fault line, what begins to happen to said building? It begins to crumble everywhere because when it begins to crumble, it tells us that it was not, that they were not prepared and it was not built in a way to withstand the seismic shifts of the tectonic plates. I do believe this morning that there is a rift that is going on in the American church and in the body of Christ. I do believe this morning that there is a fault line that has been drawn and the enemy is the one that has caused a seismic shift in the body of Christ and the plates that are going on and the fault line that is going on didn't come to 
show up just to, just to say that there is this one and that one, but it came to show up and to cause division and disruption in the body of Christ. When an earthquake happens, it disrupts the day-to-day -day activity and it disrupts everything that is going on around it. People run under tables. They stand in doorways trying to avoid the falling debris that will happen when an earthquake happens. I do believe that God has sent a holy arrow over the bow of the ship of Zion to let us know once again, you better get it right. You better be in the right place and you better quit allowing the fault line to get in your life and to draw you and pull you away from biblical Christianity. So we're going to start where our foundation starts this morning. Our foundation is Jesus. And when we get away from Jesus, God help us today. God help us today. He is our foundation. And when we get away from him, we have nothing we can stand on. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You might can try and shift it on being church of God. You might can try and shift your foundation on being the first church of God in South Carolina. You might can try and shift your foundation on being baptized in the Holy Ghost. But may I point you back to the place where your foundation will always rest. It is on Jesus Christ and him crucified and him rising again on the third day. We have no other foundation other than Jesus himself today. Amen. In our text, there has been a lot of buildup to what John has recorded in chapter 14. Jesus, building up to this moment, has made some rather controversial statements throughout the book of John, which have caused the hearers and now those who are the reader to pause a little bit. John is the only one of the synoptic gospels. Synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are called synoptic because they flow together. They have the same content and the same stories, each of them from a different perspective because, you know, you got to get things from different perspectives. You just can't listen to one source and never get another perspective, right? Because if you only listen to the one source, then guess what? you just become brainwashed. So Jesus said, I'm going to have different people record so that way everybody can see that this really did happen, except for John. John is the only one who records what we call I am statements. Statements like that Jesus says in John chapter 6 where he says, I am the bread of life. What was he saying to them? Every time he told the Jewish listeners that were standing before him that he was I am or that he said I am this, their minds reverted back to uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14 where Moses would be standing on a hillside looking at a burning bush and God tell him, Moses, you tell them I am that 
Him has sent you. So automatically, every time that Jesus makes an I am statement, the Jewish hearer would take a step back because in that moment he counted himself as equal with God. As a matter of fact, Philippians tells us that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And then it goes on and talks about how that he humbled himself so much so that God gave him a name that is exalted higher than any other name. And then it turns around and says that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue confess. What was he saying? He was pointing us back to our foundation that the world may criticize him, that the world may say that he is not who he says he is. But may I take you back and tell you one more time that by him making an I am statement, he was saying that I am who I said I am, that I am with the Father. And if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. Amen. Because Jesus didn't think it wrong to be counted as equal with God. And so these statements then, these I am statements, they caused all of those who heard and now who read to be concerned at exactly what he was starting to teach them. Now to put this scripture within the context that John had wrote it. In the chapter prior, you see Jesus washing the disciples' feet. You see Jesus telling them who is going to betray him. You see Peter coming up saying, Lord, I, I'll never betray you. I'll always stick by your side. And he looks at Peter and says, Peter, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. It is in this moment. He has just explained to them that he is going to ascend, that he's going to go back to where he came from, but then he turns around and says, and where I'm going, I'm going to bring you with me, and there's going to be a place for you prepared there as well. So he's told them, I'm coming back. One who always seems to question him, now, now, let me tell you something. There is nothing. I, I know preachers preach that you can't question God. There is nothing wrong with asking God a question. How do you know that? Thomas does it. And Thomas does it several times throughout Scripture. Why? Because God is big enough that he can handle my questions. Aren't you thankful for that? I may not always get the answer that I think that I want or the answer that I think that I feel like I should get, but I promise you I will get the answer that I need if I ask because that's what kind of God we serve. So Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And even if we did know where you're going, we don't even know the way. How are we going to get there? We don't know where you're going and we don't know the way, but you're telling us you're going to bring us there and how can we know the way? And so Jesus says, Thomas, I'm going to give you the answer. Might not have been the answer that Thomas was expecting. Might not have been the answer that Thomas thought that he deserved. 
But Jesus, nonetheless, gives them another I am statement and basically begins to tell them the gospel right there. The first thing he tells them is I am the way. Jesus says, I am the way. He doesn't say you can look for another door. He doesn't say you can come through Buddhism. He doesn't say, I'm going to raise up another prophet called Muhammad and you can study him and he'll show you how to get here. He doesn't say that, that I'll use one of the Hindu gods and you can just show up through one of the Hindu gods, through Krishna or some other god. He doesn't say any of that. He simply identifies the way to get there. Not everybody likes the way to get to heaven because most people want to come to God on their terms and get there by the way that they feel like that they should get there. But Jesus said you can't come on your terms. Jesus said there's only one way there. And if you think you'll get in the door some other way, then you are wrong. If you think that there's another answer to this question, then you are wrong. And he identifies how to get there. I am the way. He's the way. Man has always tried to identify different ways into God's presence. Man has always tried to think that if they would do enough works, then it would justify them being allowed into the presence of God. Man has always always had an identity crisis when it comes to Jesus as no other person ever made the claim that Jesus just made when he says, I am the way. There's never been another person that would stand and walk and say, I am the way. You've had a lot of people that said, if you'll follow me, I'll show you how to get to a certain place, and then you might can attain something. You've got Buddha that every time somebody comes by and rubs his belly in a Chinese restaurant that they think it'll give them good luck. But all Buddha said, if you'll follow my teachings, I'll show you how to attain peace. You've got monks that'll cut themselves you got monks that'll go weeks and months without food trying to entertain and ascertain a level of peace but let me tell you something there's only one way to peace there's only one way to joy and there's only one way to heaven and his name is Jesus and without the name of Jesus you cannot be saved I know that's old-timey, old-school preaching, but let me go even further while I'm going ahead and shaking this bush right now. You might think that putting your name on a church roll guarantees you a spot. You might think getting up and going here and serving and giving your money will guarantee you a spot, but if you have not been washed in the blood of Jesus, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Heaven. Well, bless God. Y'all say, preacher, man, this morning. No, I ain't man. I'm just tired of a world that's trying to earn themselves credit 
towards heaven. I'm tired of a world that tries to tell you that there are multiple ways. I'm tired of there being fractures in our foundation, all because that, that we don't have it settled who Jesus is. Friend, if we don't have it settled who Jesus is, we might as well lock up the doors. We might as well turn the lights off because all we are is a good social club that knows how to shout. But if we don't have it settled who Jesus is, then I'll turn my license in right now because I'm going to preach Jesus and him crucified. I don't care who likes it. I don't care who gets mad. He is the way and the only way. And if you don't serve him, you won't make it. Amen. Amen. So Jesus makes an outrageous claim to those who read Scripture and those who heard him. And the claim was, I am the way. So when we begin to think about the way, we must identify two things about him being the way. The first thing is, he's the way out. He is the way out of sin. He is the way out of temptation. He is the way out of bondage. He is the way out of drug addiction. He is the way out of alcoholism. He is the way out of your lying tongue. He is the way out of gossiping. Do I need to go any further to let you know that he's the way out, that there is nobody else but it's him? You can go to all the counselors you want to go to. You can lay on every couch in Oconee County and the state of South Carolina that you want to lay on, but I'm going to tell you there's a way out and his name is Jesus. And if you get in him, he'll give you a way out today in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Not only is he the way out, but he's also the way in. He don't deliver you from something not to deliver you into a thing. Ah, boy, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. Not only is he the way out, but he is the way in. He is the way in to freedom. He is the way in to deliverance. He is the way in to heaven. He is the way in to where you can get your joy back. He is the way in to find peace. He is the way in to get into the presence of God. And without Jesus, you don't have a way out, nor do you have a way in. But I don't know about you this morning, but I'm thankful for the way maker today. That I got a way out, but not only do I got a way out, but I got a way in. Woo! My goodness, I feel that right there. Not only do I got a way out, but I got a way in. You may feel like that you don't have any options, but let me tell you something today. You've got two. You've got a way out and a way in. You may feel that you are depressed and you may feel alone and ostracized, but you got a way out this morning, and there's also a way into your freedom, and his name is Jesus. If you want out of your sin, he's the doorway. If you want into heaven, he's the doorway. You can't go around him, and you can't navigate without him. You can't experience God's presence unless you go through him. His name is Jesus. And can I say this one more time? There is no other path except for Jesus. 
There is no other way except for Jesus. He is the way. Not only do we see him as the way, but he says, I am the way. And then he turns around and says, I am the truth. Mm. If there's one thing that I feel is on a rapid decay, that is the truth. Matter of fact, if we want to be truthful about it, it has been decaying since the beginning of time. The enemy of our souls has been doing his best to shut down any semblance of truth since the Garden of Eden. He knows with God there is nothing but truth, which is why the Bible says that he is the origin of all lies because the Bible calls him the father of them all. Can I tell you that truth is not relevant to the circumstance that you are currently living in? Truth cannot be sliced and divided to fit the narrative that you want it to fit. Truth is what it is regardless if either of us like it. Truth is not about compromise. Trying to find a common ground. It is simply truth. I know some people, they want to say that truth is what you think it is. I know that there are some people that don't like truth because truth always brings an offense. I know that there are some people that don't really like truth, but the fact is truth is what sets people free. <laughs> Amen. If you're living in sin, you want somebody to tell you the truth. I don't want you to come by and hold my hand and coddle me and tell me I'm doing all right and it's going to be okay. I want you to tell me the truth. And the truth is, if I don't get myself right, then I'm going to miss heaven. I want you telling me the truth. If I ain't doing something right, then tell me. Don't give me no passive-aggressive anger where you acting like that we all good knowing you mad as fire behind the scenes. Give me the truth. Why? Because truth is not only going to liberate me, but it's also going to liberate you. It's truth. It's truth. And truth is what it is. There's no trying to discern it or dissect it and make it fit. It's truth. But you know what I'm learning more and more about our society? It doesn't like truth. We would rather somebody tell us what we would want to hear than somebody tell us the truth. Why? Because the truth's going to offend me. I don't want to hear the truth. I've got a friend of mine that's a pastor, and he had a lady come in his office one day. And the lady looked at him, and she said, uh, I'm going to leave my husband. She said, God told me that I could leave my husband. She said, God told me that. He said, okay. He opens up the Bible. He begins to read Scripture to her. She looked at him and shut the Bible, and she said, I don't know what that says. I don't know your opinion, Pastor. He said, open up the Bible again, begin to read the Scriptures. She said, Pastor, I done told you. I don't 
I already know what that says. I don't need to hear that anymore. I know what it says. I want to know your opinion. He looked back at her and said, listen, I don't have an opinion when it comes to God's word because God's word is truth. And what it says is what it says. And if you don't like it, I can't change it because my opinion doesn't matter just like your opinion doesn't matter. What was he telling her without telling her? God's truth is already been written down. And I don't have to consult heaven about what God has already written down and explicitly said to me. Why? Because truth is truth. I, I, can't, I can't try to make it fit me. It is what it is. And I'm going to be made to fit it. But here's the problem with that truth. And what I'm beginning to learn about the American church when it comes to truth because we've raised a people up, we, I'm included in the American church, have raised a people up that think you can live any old way you want, say what you want, sleep with who you want, smoke whatever you want, drink whatever you want, and God's going to look at you and still be okay with it. Oh, my God. I'm going to go ahead and shake that bush a little bit more, can I? I told y'all, y'all either going to like me or love me in a little bit. But I come with a mandate from heaven, and I can't do anything but say what God spoke to me for the last two weeks when it comes to this. The American church has gotten so, so much greasy grace that we wouldn't know the truth if it slapped us in the face. We want to live any old way we want to live. We want to say any old thing we want to say. We want to just do whatever we want to do. If we want to smoke dope, we'll smoke dope and still come to church and shout. Can't nobody tell us no different. If we want to go and get hammered down, we'll go and get hammered down, come to church on Sunday morning and be okay with it. And then we think, well, if you'll just, if the preacher will preach about the love of God, then everything will be okay. Honey, I, let me tell you about the love of God. It is the love of God that he ain't killed you yet. It is the love of God that when you're taking his grace for granted, that he ain't wiped you off of the face of the planet yet. It is the grace of God that you are still here sitting in this pew. And let me tell you the truth. It is the grace of God that is allowing you to hear this gospel preacher that will tell you that unless you get under the blood and you get delivered, then you will not make it. Amen. Because truth is what it is. But what we have done, God help us this morning, is we have a cheap, dishonorable grace. A, a, you, can't, you can't tell me that you've had an encounter with a holy God, and yet you're still doing everything that you were doing when you had an encounter with him. Amen. Because the truth, when it shows up in your life, it causes a freedom and a transformation to happen. However, we want a Jesus who's okay with us cussing folks out. We want a Jesus who's okay with us sleeping around casually every now and again. We want a Jesus who's okay with us stepping out on our marriage. We want a Jesus 
who's okay with us cheating on our taxes. Because you know it's the government and they won't miss it no way, Pastor. Huh? We want a Jesus. It's okay with all of that. But the writer of Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Pursue peace with all people. And then it tags this in the He could have been okay if he had just said pursue peace with all people. We'd be like, yes, sir. praise God, hallelujah. But he doesn't stop there. He says pursue peace with all people. And then he puts commas and adds a little word that carries a whole lot of meaning right in the middle of that. And holiness. Without which... No one will see the Lord. You want to talk about a cuss word in the church? Start preaching on holiness. Because people don't want to talk about that no more. We, we want to talk about all that good stuff. Don't tell me about living holy, but let me tell you something. Holy is how you're going to see him. Let, let me carry that a little further. Holiness ain't got nothing to do with about how you dress. And I know in Pentecostalism that we have associated holiness with how long your dress is and how high your hair stacked if you got it. But let me tell you some holiness ain't got to do with any of that. Holiness has got to do with this right here. And if this right here, you can look like the pristine Quaker that you want to look like. But let me tell you something. If this right here ain't right with him up there, then Honey, all you are is a pretty human being, and you ain't holy. Amen. Because I've known people that when you looked at them, you thought, man, they the holiest person they ever met in my life, and they will cuss you out on the church steps. Oh, no, preacher, I don't know about people like that. I do. All you got to do is travel the U.S., and you'll find some folk like that. Because everybody wants that kind of easy grace that God is okay with me. No, the truth is, holiness is what he's after. And the truth is, if we're not living in it, then we are living a lie. Not only does he say, I'm the way, I'm the truth, but then he ends it this way. I'm the life. What's interesting to me is that Jesus makes a statement like this, knowing what is awaiting him. He didn't make a statement saying, I am the life, thinking that he was going to keep on living. He made a statement saying, I am the life, knowing that death awaited him. What? What's interesting is that for him to be the way he had to go to the cross and die. For him to reveal he's the truth, then he mustn't contest the lies that were hurled at him before Pilate. For him to be the life, he must first die and then be resurrected for us to know in him Everything which was dead now comes back to life. The Bible declares to us, for the wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life 
In Christ Jesus our Lord. If you want death, stay in the shape you're living in. You'll experience it, I promise you. Jesus, though, took death upon himself in order that we might live. I can tell you this all around this room. You cannot find a real Christian who will look at you and say, after I got saved, I died. Died. What do I mean by death? Death emotionally, death cognitively, death spiritually. They won't say that. They'll say, I thought I was living when I was partying. I thought I was living when I was doing the mess that I was doing. But when I really came to Jesus, I really came alive. Something inside of me where there was this huge void of where I hated what I saw every day in the mirror no longer became what I hated what I saw. But now what I see in the mirror I love because of what Jesus has done on the inside of me. I came back to life. I felt dead on the inside, but I came back to life. Because I promise you, when you find a surrendered person, you'll find a person that knows what true living is. I promise you that. Because they realize that all they had when the drug-induced high ended was misery. They'll tell you when they came over the hangover, all they had was, man, I wish I hadn't have done that yesterday. They'll tell you things like after they come off of their whatever and came out of it, they'll tell you, man, I really got to get myself right because I'm miserable. But yet they medicate the pain with the same stuff because nobody's looked at them and said, you can have life. But you don't have to do this. Because I know where living water is found. And I know it will meet every high you ever thought you could ever experience. And his name is Jesus. Amen. So you know what? This morning, I believe that we must get back to preaching Jesus. To stop the rift and the fault line from growing deeper than what it is right now. We must get back to preaching Jesus. I ain't got time to preach politics. I know people want me to preach sometimes with a newspaper in one hand and a Bible in the other. I ain't got time for all that. I can tell you this is what you want to know. If you want to know prophecy, here's what you want to know. It's going to wrap up like the Bible says it's going to wrap up, and it's wrapping up quicker than I care for it to wrap up. But here's what I want you to know more than anything, that there is a way out and he is the truth, and he is the life, and his name is Jesus. And there is no other way except for him, and his name is Jesus. I ain't got time to preach all that other mess. All I got time for is Jesus. Because without him, you'll never be saved. Without him, you'll never have any hope. Without him, you won't know what real living's about. Because it's just... Jesus. He told him in John 14 and verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And you might think you can find some other access, but you won't.
is he said, no one comes into the Father except by me. And then he turns right around and said, if you'd known me, if you had known me, then you would have known the Father also. And he says this, and from now on, you know him and have seen him. Why? Because it's just Jesus. There's no other way, friend. And this pastor don't know anything else except to tell you truth. I wish I could give you a pity patty gospel and we play patty cake together and try and get all warm and fuzzy on the inside so that when we leave we had a uh uh-uh. I want you so miserable that you can't do anything but eat, sleep, and breathe Jesus. Because if you get comfortable, then you'll get comfortable with this world. And when you get comfortable with this world, you'll miss when the trumpet sounds. And I don't want you missing that trumpet sounding. It's just Jesus. Father, hmm. Lord, we love you today. And Lord, we praise you for what we feel in this rain. Lord Jesus, it's really all about you. Lord, I know that we try to make it about so many other things. And Lord, I know that we try to tell people about other ways and about how they ought to clean their life up before they get here and how they ought to be this or be something else. But Jesus, it's really all about you. You have said that if we would confess your name and believe, we should be saved. Jesus, you have said that the wages of sin are death. Your word declares that with the gift of God. Lord, I know that we've tried other ways. Lord, I know that we've tried manipulation. But Jesus, you're the way. But not only are you the way, but you're also the truth. Because truth reveals who we really are. It is truth that digs into us and brings us back to our foundation. It is truth. But Lord, I thank you that you didn't just leave us without any hope. But you said when we felt hopeless and we felt dead on the inside that we could have life and that life is you, Jesus. Lord, I pray right now that in your name that you would begin to touch, that you would begin to minister, that you would begin to move. Those that feel dead on the inside in this room, Lord, I pray right now that in the name of Jesus, that they will know they can come alive today. That they don't have to walk in death anymore, but they can come alive. And they can know what true living is about. Lord, we love you and we praise you for what you're about to do in the next few moments. In Jesus' mighty and holy name, 
we ask and we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. I'm going to ask you to do something with me this morning. Would you stand all over this house? Those that are able to stand. If you're not, you can remain seated. I'm having you to stand because it's easier to step on out when you're standing than it is when you're sitting down and everybody around you hears you moving. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this room right now, you might say to me, Pastor, I've got myself in a mess and I need the way maker. I need a way out so that I can have a way in because I'm in a mess right now. I know I'm in a mess. It can be a mess of sin. It can be a mess of your own doing. It can be a mess of whatever. It can be a mental mess. It can be a spiritual mess. It can just be a mess where you say, Pastor, I'm in a mess. And I need the Waymaker this morning. Would you raise your hand or look at me or something and say, Pastor, that's me. I need the Waymaker today. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Raise your hand or look at me or something and say, Pastor, I need a Waymaker today. I need a way out and a way in. I need a way maker. I, I need him to deliver me. Thank you. I need him to set me free. I need him to get me out of this mess. And I need him to bring me into freedom. I need him to bring me into deliverance. I need him to bring me and set me free. I need a way maker. Who in here would say, Pastor, I need some truth in me. because I've been living a lie. Everybody thinks I've got it okay, but it ain't okay in my life. And I know it's not okay, and it's frustrating to me because I don't like who I see every morning in the mirror. I don't like who I look at, and I need some truth in my life. I'm not saying you're backslidden. I'm not saying that you're not where you are saved. Although some of you are here every week and you know your heart's far from him. If that is you, I want you to raise your hand or look at me or something say, Pastor, that is me right now. That is me. I need some truth in me. I need God to speak some truth into my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in this room right now. Who in here would say, Pastor, I don't feel alive right now. I've let all of these cares and all of this stuff compound on me, and I don't feel alive. I feel so dead. I feel desperate. I, I feel like the promises of God have left me, and I'm sitting here and feeling dead on the inside, and I need him to speak to these dry bones and cause life to come back into me. Would you raise your hand in this room and say, Pastor, that is me. Let him call me back to life again. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to end it right here and then we're going to pray together. I'm going to invite you down to this altar and we're going to pray together. If you tell me right now, Pastor, I know he's the way, I know he's the truth, and I know he's the life, but I'm living in sin. I know I'm not doing what God wants me to do. I know I'm living opposite of what God says for my life.
and I need to make a change in my life. I need to surrender my heart. I need to give it back to the Lord. I need to say, God, here I am. Do what you want in my life. Change me, resurrect me, and correct me. I need you to do it in me today, God, because I know I'm not living where I need to live. Would you raise your hand or look at me or something? Say, Pastor, that is me. I need to make a change. I need to get right with God. I know I'm not living where I need to be living. I know it. I, I, I'm Every day I look at myself in the mirror and know I'm not there yet, but I need to make a change. Would you raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to get my heart right. Thank you. Thank you. I need to get my heart right. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Those of you that have raised your hand for anything across the board of anything that I said, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to come right here to this altar and surrender your heart if you need to surrender your heart. If you need a way out to get a way in, I want you to come. If you need God to speak some truth into your life about some things that are going on, I want you to come. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to come right now. You ready? One, two, three. Come right now. Come. Come right now. Don't waste another moment. Don't waste another second. Come. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 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 Come right now. Come, come, come. Those of you that believe in the power of prayer, would you come and gather around these that are praying? Would you come and just help me pray that God would begin to touch, that God would begin to anoint, that God would begin to allow the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do today? Would you come right now and begin to pray for them? Thank you, Holy Spirit.